when the only problem with your game day experience is just a bit of the play. <laughs> That's so MLS, a North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Mates, and Nick Thornton. Nick has returned from international duty. Hello. It's very uh, 16th century, that reference. <laughs> well, the, the that was, I think, a lot of people's reactions to uh, the news item that went out today that the the Colorado Rapids in their next game are curtailing the uh, curtailing pre and post match fireworks because of plague like symptoms observed among prairie dogs in the vicinity of Dick's Sporting Goods Park. What is even happening? <laughs> that is so many. Okay, I know I've been out of the country, but it was only a week. Like, what yeah, has were, happened in my you absence? Were gone. You well, were gone we, got, for... we got some sick prairie dogs, man. We got to... You were what? gone for a week. The Rapids... Uh, Lucas Venuto got released. The Rapids got... The Rapids got the plague. Gee, okay. Wow. I mean, just when you thought uh, things couldn't get worse for the Rapids. <laughs> Can we call them the Colorado Rabbids, maybe, then? Is that... Maybe. I know, that's different. It's a bit of a stretch. Anyway. It's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> uh, but it's... Uh, but welcome back. Welcome back from International Duty. How was it? Thank you. It was great. It was good to get away for a little bit. Um, it's funny. Uh, just a really, really quick anecdote from my trip. So I was in Cuba, same as last time. Um... And uh, I had a driver who drove my wife and I to Havana, and he he drove us last time as well. And he shows up, and I'm in my white caps jersey, and he just comes, steps out of the car, and just gives me this big sort of shrug. And he's like, "How's the team doing this year? Oh, he's got the white caps again." And I was like, "It's not good, man." It <laughs> <laughs> just starts laughing, and he's like, "Last year you said it wasn't that good." I'm like, "No, it's it's gotten so much worse." But it was so funny that it was like. Literally, he couldn't wait to ask me about that and bug me about it. Um, when you I did, can't stop I did getting, rem- when you can't when you can't stop getting roasted for your team in another country. Yeah, I did remind him. Of course, Canada and Cuba had played each other uh, not so distantly ago, and he was that like, is- "Yeah, you know, we scored a goal, though, right?" <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was fun, but it's good to be back. And of course, it's it's a very strange but lovely thing to be able to listen to your own show and enjoy it, but not actually be on it. Um, and Ricardo did a fantastic job as did you as always, but it was great to just leave it in good hands and then come back and listen to it and be like, man, I could, I could listen to this podcast without me in it all the time. <laughs> well, I'm not trying to talk uh, myself out of a job, but <laughs> well, well, uh, thank you to Ricardo again for, for, for doing such a great job last week. Um, your presence as always is felt and missed and we're well, we're happy to have you back. I'm, I'm glad to be back. Um, so the, 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 the first thing that happened, I guess, after, uh, we went off the air last week in the, uh, was the start of the cycle was the Canadian championship games, which we can right. talk about briefly before we get into the MLS stuff. Let's do it. Um, it, uh, this was the day before my birthday, and oh. <laughs> so this was the Whitecaps game. The Whitecaps game actually did bleed into my birthday, and unfortunately, uh, neither the Whitecaps nor the uh, Halifax Wanderers made much of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Wanderers had a really interesting game where they they came into it down three two, right? Um, and actually won the game three. I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to, to to track what the actual thing was. So they. Oh, you're saying so they came in on aggregate down. Yes. Right. They came in on aggregate two, and then they ended uh, five four. Right. Man. For some reason, it says. For some reason, it says Halifax scored three times, and and that's not exactly what happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, we all got things to work out, you know. It's true. This this uh, this recap that I'm looking at, um, but it was a it was a very interesting back and forth game. Wanderers tried really, uh, like they had a lot of effort. Um, Ottawa, of course, he's looking good, and and this will be the first. You know, with all the, the 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 bad blood, I guess, between Campiel people and Ottawa, this is their kind of first opportunity mm. to take a little th- something off of that. Uh, but the 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 prouder people are, of course, Calvary, who uh, were able to defeat Vancouver uh, on that occasion, which was uh, very frustrating, but. Ultimately, very frustrating, and, and every, had everybody in a very low mood because the, the first leg was zero zero, and this was a uh, this ended two one, uh, and Cal, uh, Calvary scored the first goal, and then went ahead again. So, mm-hmm. uh, so they were ahead for the you know Vancouver scored and Calvary scored five minutes later, so they were ahead most of the game, mm-hmm. um, pretty much all, but. Uh, 12 minutes of the game, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about this. And you know, it's become the the state of the Whitecaps has become a, a week long or you know a weekly topic. But um, but you know the I think the thing that's frustrating to me all the time when I watch these games is how many Whitecaps prospects you see on the Fury and on. Uh, KPL teams, you know, that's, you know, uh, when you're, when you're talking about players that are going to, um, players that are going to kind of ruin your day, (laughs) Marco (laughs) Carducci and Mason and Mason Trafford are real interesting are, you know, they're just, you know, shadows of shadows of the past because, because these are people and you even had a story where Dos Santos said that the, the, the Whitecaps Academy prospects are not coming, uh, are are not game ready. And then mm-hmm. also somehow this week we sold a, a an under seventeen keeper to Leicester. Oh, I somehow missed that story as well. It's weird they didn't want to promote that. They did promote it actually, and it's funny oh, because if you had watched, I think if you'd watched the Whitecaps U seventeens, like you may have known of this person in in the the. The first, the biggest first team thing, piece, the thing that he had been involved in is that he was, uh, when the Whitecaps went and played Daijon Citizen in South Korea. Oh, okay. This is yeah. Chichiro Odunze. In, in the, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I remember him. He, he started that, uh, he started and played the full 90 in that game. So that was his kind of big, big, uh. it, he got a, he got a press release. And this is like some, some, some MLS dodgery, uh, if I've ever seen one, because, they signed him to an MLS contract and transferred him the same day. So he officially counts uh, as the 18th as the 18th homegrown signing for the Whitecaps. Right. Even though he never played an MLS game. 
to to go back that kind of also throws uh throws into whack the the ratio of of um the ratio of homegrown players who never played an MLS game for the side well yeah man there's just so much weird stuff going on around this club i mean i guess <sighs> It might have just been a case of they had to have him on an MLS contract in order to um, transfer him internationally, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm not sure... That would make sense. Have, I'm not sure an f- international club could have signed him out of an academy. The funny thing is, because because it is a Premier League side, the Whitecaps are going to get... I don't know if it's uh, solidarity payments but they will get a uh, a percentage of future transfers right um, sure so i mean that's, that's the, one that's the benefit one thing in the white cap system that's working um they also sold lucas finito well they didn't well, everybody thought they he was gonna be sold the they didn't quite sell him so much as just put him out on the lawn and uh let the first strangers <laughs> that pulled up in a van take him away but Oh my you know. god, Bun's trading zone. They went on a Bun's trading zone. It was like, <laughs> curb alert, curb alert, one forward. Yeah, if you'd like a winger, um, you know, <laughs> free to good home. Sure, but I mean, some people would say spending $400,000 on a pl- player to only let him go for free eight months later is not a good investment. And I would agree. Um, but that just seems to be like the way things are going at this club right now, it, it's hard to be surprised by much. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want, uh, in our, in our MLS, uh, as we jump into the MLS scores, do we want to go there first? Well, sure. The one thing I did, I just wanted to, to stop for a moment on the cavalry thing is, is like, uh, I, it felt like even Dos Santos had a sense that cavalry was really not the underdogs in this one. Um, so I, I think that as, as much as I saw a lot of people saying, like, you know, this is the absolute lowest, this is completely unacceptable, to me that kind of rhetoric is also a little bit disrespectful to the Cavalry, who've built a yep. very good competitive side, and did everything right to close down the opponents. And it was good to see, at least in DeSantis's post-game comments, acknowledge that, that I think he'd said, you know, we could have been out there for another hour and probably not scored. Um, and he was referring a little bit to luck, but also... Uh, I think the the way that the cavalry played, um, I guess I'm, I'm mostly doing this to improve my own confidence because I've been out of out of it for a week. But I did call this one on Twitter: Cavalry Two, Vancouver One. You can go back and check. <laughs> sure enough, it played out that way. I don't like being right about all these things, you know. But I just it feels like um, not much can go right. But um, you know, if you're not completely down the drain, then you might as well be getting a point. My opening line for this week was going to be, um, when the best result is no result at all. <laughs> so let's, well, let's jump to it. Well, yeah, I, I, I think maybe the, the, you've made a really good point about, about cavalry and their preparation. And there was a line from Ledgerwood that I think explains, even though this has been really like frustrating and hard as a white Cavs fan, why I find myself wanting to to try and have perspective about like, well, this isn't as bad as it could be, guys. It's not, this is not, for some reason, it doesn't feel like the end of the world. And the reason why is because 
it's sometimes it's the quality of play. But there was this quote from Nick Ledgerwood who said, we came in from Cavalry, who said, we came into this game 100% certain in belief that we were going to win it. And I don't think that the other team did. Yeah. And and if you don't have that, uh, it doesn't matter if you're playing MLS teams or, or Canadian Premier League teams. If it you, really doesn't. And I think a lot of the conversation around soccer still gets a little hyper-fixated on results and stats and all these different things that, of course, in MLS, it's a relevant conversation, if, especially if you're Whitecaps fans, because we're one of the teams that underspends chronically. And when you look at the yeah. salary depth, it's incredibly low compared to the rest of the league. But it's still not everything. Um, and a few people recently have been bringing up some really good points about how... Um, it's the major crime is not underspending. The major crime is not spending well and not finding bargains. I mean, if yeah. you're going to be a team that's shopping for bargains, then you need to be getting something out of it. But the amount of money this team has thrown away and continues to throw away on players that are just complete non-performers um, is is a little bit shocking. Now, I guess the Davies trade basically made up for all those mistakes or paid for them anyway. Um <laughs> But I, I agree that I think that, you know, for for people that maybe don't watch a ton of soccer in other leagues um, and don't watch a lot of cup competitions, don't necessarily get that, like, these competitions are all about mental preparation as much as anything else. And mm -hmm. absolutely anybody is in it. Um, and there's been many, many big clubs. As a former Arsenal fan, I can tell you how many times we've been bitten <laughs> by clubs that prepared, got the got the um the preparation right and we came in with our starting 11 and got played off the pitch the that's that's absolutely right and i in and in a weird way that's a point of optimism for me because even though some of these performances has been have been less has been have been under par it's like because it is a, a matter of belief and in and the players, even though, you know, we could play an hour and not score, quote, is is accurate. That's not because they don't have players who can score. Mm -hmm. They've got players who could score. They're just not doing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, which brings us to the 0-0 <laughs> draw against Minnesota. <laughs> which, in a weird way, is actually a pretty good result. Um, now, I don't – did you watch this game? I caught the second half. The the okay. the 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 funny part is the uh, having my my with cavalry my like uh, my sense of doom led me to and the fact that that was the day they announced that Rucker Howard had died. Um, I finished the I finished the Halifax Wanderers game and uh, with my partner watched Blade Runner. Mm. <laughs> through through the first a, half as of the pick, game as a pick me up as a pick me up I watched Blade Runner through the first half of the game and I cut into the second half but I watched <laughs> but I got I got to see most it's of amazing um, yeah I got to see most of the the Minnesota uh, Vancouver one it kind of was in just like a lot of you know Minnesota had a lot of chances there wasn't a lot to recommend for Vancouver but hey I guess it was a uh, I guess it was a loss, or I guess, or I guess it wasn't a loss. It was the you know ended the. Although it's hard for me to say that you ended a five-game losing streak when you're still winless in nine. 
but yeah, and you did it without scoring any goals. Yeah, but however, um, they they did it with a clean sheet as well. If you want to go glass half full, the yeah, the positive the positive for me about this game was that we saw a much improved Vancouver side, and yeah. what continues to give me the the tiniest little glimmer of hope is that Dos Santos is good at managing players, and to say you know, mentally we're very weak, and so I need to be the leader right now. This looked like a team that kind of had been said, you know, this, the right things had been said to them. They'd been managed correctly. They played a, a lot simpler. I thought Minnesota played an incredibly sloppy game. I was still really worried that Minnesota, um, you know, with somebody like Quintero on that side, all they need to do is hit one, hit us for one, and then the wheels come off the apple cart again. Yeah. But their midfield was just really disconnected. Um, and for a team that hasn't been consistently good this season, but Adrian Heath has done a really good job of turning his team around. I was surprised at how bad Minnesota was playing. However, I thought Vancouver overall played significantly better. And yeah. That was really positive to see is just some more simple plays, um, playing the possession game a little bit better, attacking at the right times. There's still a bunch of things that we've said ad nauseum that kind of leave me scratching my head wondering where this all goes. But given that it certainly seems like things personnel-wise are not set to change in any major positive way this season... um, I guess it makes sense to kind of be playing certain players more than others. Um, I guess it sounds like we're both kind of in agreement of like, well, it's better than it's been in a long time, but it's hardly a result. And it's funny because the more time that goes on from the game, the more the sheen kind of fades. Where when it ended, I was like, hey, you know what? We played a game of soccer. We didn't lose it. That's what you need to happen when you are just the absolute worst team. <laughs> the problem is the problem. Well, Rapids is to lower, and we're playing uh, the Whitecaps. Uh, are the Whitecaps no, are playing? Minnesota, no, the Rapids or... are lower now. We were tied going into this game. <laughs> oh yes. Well, Cincinnati. <laughs> we're now now we're playing Cincinnati next weekend. So so a lot of uh, fun fun goes to the past. We'll return there as well. D. Mm-hmm. Um, I. A great showing from Max Crupeau, who also got his contract extended. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, I feel like he... Of all of the players that were brought in in this big off-season regeneration with the idea that, like, this guy could really be, a, you know, a great new star for us. I yeah. think that Crupeau is the only one who has come close to validating that. 100%. Absolutely agree. He's been um, one of the few consistently bright spots. I mean, he's had some rough games um, that I feel like are really not his fault. But, I mean, this kid is not just pulling out amazing saves. I mean, he's killing dangerous situations because his positioning is also right. I mean, how many uh, times has the ball come into the box? Defenders are out of place, but he's seen it. He's tracked the runs. He knows where the ball, the cross is going to come in. And he's gotten himself in a good position to to take it down and kill the danger. And we see lots of young goalkeepers who have great reflexes, 
Maybe some of them can stop a few good penalties. Um, but he's doing this every game. He's making eight or nine big saves, and that's incredibly difficult to do. And on top of that, actually having sure hands. Like, he's not just knocking the ball out. The number of amazing saves he's making and then actually snagging the ball out of midair and killing the play has really, really, I think, added something significant to our game. It's just unfortunate we haven't been able to reward him. Um, but I'm I'm really happy to see the contract extended. And as you say, like one of the few bright spots to this season, he's just been far and away, I think, the best addition to this squad. One of the hallmarks, I feel like, of the Dos Santos era so far has been these games where the the offense is kind of like anemic, but you've got to say that the defensive side was very solid. And I have mm-hmm. two I have two statistics for you in this vein. Yahoo. Uh, uh, Minnesota had sixteen shots and one shot on target. Yeah, uh, with ten of those off target and five blocked, uh, which I think speaks to them being very unfortunate with some one of the chances that hits the crossbar. Some really nice looking stuff. Um, including from Mason Toy, Rodriguez mm-hmm. whiffed in front of an open bo- open goal. It was Opara who hit the crossbar. Quintero almost got it. Uh, the other statistic that I think is amazing is clearances. Minnesota mm. had eight clearances in the game. The Whitecaps had 39. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well, and this, this one almost ended badly too because uh, this was the game where um, Henry went down, like, what, less than 20 minutes in with an injury. Oh, that's right. And so right when things were starting to look like, oh, okay, like, let's just have a solid performance, arguably our best defender is all of a sudden out. And it turns out um, it, it initially seemed like it was an, an ongoing problem that he's been having, I think, with his hamstring, and then it turned out to be an awkward landing on his back from uh, attempting to clear the ball. Oops. Uh, successfully clearing the ball, I think. But, yeah, I agree. I think that um, defensively this game was a little bit more sound. I don't really anticipate much else out of our season than a few of these performances of getting some points. Um, the one point, and I don't want to belabor it, because, it but it just ties into a, a thing that you've brought up and, and we've talked about, is... Uh, it was late into the second half where Adnan just has one of these square balls that he plays back and nearly gives it up um, as a goal to Minnesota. And for me, you know, the guy can play, absolutely. But the defensive side sometimes is like at least once a game, there's some major gaffe that you're just like, oh my, you've got to be kidding me. Why are you playing that ball back? Why are you playing a square ball? You're like... Uh, I gotta you're say, under, you're under pressure. Just kick it out if that's your only option. Like, I gotta say this because because I actually don't. Uh, I think he's uh, I think he's pretty good, but for the longest time, Kurt Larson um, was playing was or was at uh, was playing for the Toronto Sun. I was at the Toronto Sun, and and we contis- consistently find some way to annoy Whitecaps fans on Twitter. <laughs> And, yeah, and now Larson is the is one of the the studio analysts for One Soccer's Canadian Premier League presentation, and yeah. uh, and his line was uh, Ali Adnan is not MLS quality. 
And yeah, that that didn't go over well with Whitecaps Twitter, but um... no, it didn't. I, well, it's, it, you can't say he's playing well. I mean, he played. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that he's not MLS quality, but and I'm also not gonna go with the line that well he got his money and now he doesn't care. But I think that maybe just in a team that's in such a tough position as this one to go from being a pretty good standout player to a leader of the team that has a designated player tag is a lot. Yeah. And I also, I do feel like overall his, his work rate at times, like it's just not consistent defensively um, getting back. I mean, those runs going forward can be majestic but I have yet to see him put in the, the same effort getting back to defend. Uh, when he's got his arms behind his back and he's near the box and he's 1v1 with a player, defensively he looks really solid. But there's there's stuff to, to work out there, and I think mostly I'm seeing it because he comes in so highly rated and everybody's talking about how good he is that when you see these mistakes, you're kind of like, well, these are kind of basic level things that like even a lot of domestic MLS defenders have kind of figured out. Uh, but I'd still rather have the guy than not. Um, one Canadian team that has done incredibly well, yes. not consistently, but a team that had one hell of a game last week is Montreal. Yeah. Um, and they beat Eastern Conference leaders Philadelphia, who... Also have been a little inconsistent. However, they've been consistent enough to stay at the top of the table despite losing the odd game here and there. Um, and then this was the debut of Lapalainen, Montreal's new attacking star. Yeah. Um, Lassie Lapalainen uh, apparently joined the team on the Thursday and then scored twice on the Sunday on the Saturday, so great for him. Mm-hmm. Also, two goals from Orgio Conquo. Uh, a lot of people had been talking about, you know, uh, Ignacio Piatti coming back for for the one nothing win against York Nine on the week during the week. Um, but it was these two wingers that really had a chance to shine in the course of the game. Yeah, and what I mean, obviously, both performances speak for themselves. Um, Okonkwo just continues to have a, a really great season, and I love a good underrated attacking player that flies under the radar, especially when they're on a Canadian team. Um, but what I loved about this game is watching the play from Piatti, because mm-hmm. on a number of them, he was sitting a little bit deeper, and he's playing he's playing a little bit more as a, a almost like a roaming attacking mid-player mm-hmm. that was connecting plays, and I think given his age... Um, and, you know, what is only going to be continued fitness issues here and there, I I like it, you know. It's a great to have a player like Piatti on the field who you know can still do what he can do, but maybe he stays another couple of years, and maybe it's uh, six or seven goals or fewer, but a lot more in the assist category because he's able to create plays and pick out the players. I mean, he connected with... Uh, Lapalainen, like the guys have been playing together forever, and that's yeah. the kind of thing you want you want to see from your your star players is that they just looked incredibly comfortable with each other, had a good read of each other, um, and there's can, what I've seen in the last few months that's been really impressive from a few different MLS sides is that you know their scouting is getting better because they're bringing in players. There used to always be this like just assumed transition period for 
you know, players from Europe, uh, players from some of the bigger leagues to adjust to MLS. But the last few from a number of teams have really come in and just instantly made their mark and consistently performed well. So it's just showing how much uh, scouting is really now starting to matter for teams that the expectations are starting to shift that you're able to make an immediate impact to the team. Well, I mean, like that's when you look at Lapalina, and I think that a big reason for that is, is that it's a player who is that you're signing young players. I think yeah. that that's, I think that, that you're looking for, for quality people who are looking for time. Um, and Lapalina is somebody who is 20, um, was playing, uh, in Finland for Helsinki and got loaned out within Finland. Uh, and then I, I guess moved to Italy where he was playing for Bologna who, uh, who sent him over to MLS mm. on loan. And so if you look at that, it's like he's 20 and he's played for four pro clubs. So, yeah. so he's got the experience of, of moving to, uh, of, of moving around. And he's, I wonder if that's because, the longer you play, the the harder it is for you to adjust in these situations. But you know, in in when you're when you're young and you're living out of your suitcase, you may as well mm-hmm. score some goals. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, you know the the scouting that Montreal's done and the, the players that they've been able to develop is just. Um, I think things are going to continue to to look really good for them. I'm excited to see how Montreal develops in the next few years because they've come a long way and it's exciting to see, although, you know, not all of their best young players have stayed with the club. They've certainly all gone on to do some pretty good things. Philadelphia really uh, benefited from uh, in their, in their attempt to stay at the top of the Eastern conference uh, because Atlanta lost to LAFC and what I think was the that was the game that the MLS picked for its extended highlight package and and certainly you know when you're when you're looking at any given this is the type of this is the point of the season where you start to dream of what the playoffs are going to look like and when teams start to play each other you think could this mm. be a matchup could this be a conference final could this be mm. an MLS Cup final um, and they certainly had an interesting game the two of them. Sure did. Where do you want to even start with win this? for LAFC. Yeah, this was just such a freaking weird game. Um, I heard that both coaches kind of called it weird, and I was expecting to see, like, you know, a cat run onto the field or something, but... Uh, that, happened in, re- that happened in uh, Leagues Cup. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get to it. Um, well, we might. This was just such a bizarre game, though, of soccer, where un- very uncharacteristically, LAFC is actually asleep early, which is a thing that has happened to them on more than one occasion this season. Um, and then mm-hmm. Mo Adams scores this early goal, and it's just like, wait, what's happening? Like, who are these two teams right now? <laughs> the the key to that, that, that makes that one go, is that um, and it's a it's a sly move, especially when when it's early and teams are still trying to figure out their uh, out their positioning. Um, the rush is coming forward, and one player just stops running, and as a result, without having to without having to move, finds himself in uh, in three or four yards of space, 
in the pen- in the penalty area. Yeah, and I mean, I'm no soccer star myself, but I do always try to say as a defender, it's probably not a good idea to stop running in most cases. <laughs> Especially if there's someone running towards your goal. Just, you know. Um, but this one is also weird because, there, I mean, there's a lot of plays we can talk about, but for me, ultimately, I feel like LAFC scores what's arguably two offside goals. At least one of them looks very, very, very clear, but... The first allowed. one, the first one I thought was nice. The the second one, the second one is very much trying to cheat the not cheat the offside, but like you can absolutely tell from from the positioning. Um, when the and the body is to me like when you know f- four fifths of your body is offside. I don't know what the requirement is. It's not the offside is not the same as the whole of the ball must be across the whole of the line. Like it's like if your yes. nose hair is ahead, then you can be called offside. So I'm not sure how a player's entire body minus his heel somehow allows him to be onside. But for me, it's this penalty. I, I think yeah. I have no problem with Carlos Vela going down on this kind of challenge. It's the type of player he is. He's expected to make that kind of play, but just sell it there's virtually no contact here villa's going into this he knows to draw a penalty so they're up th- all of a sudden lafc's up 3-1 on atlanta and i would say that at least two of those goals shouldn't be allowed um yeah i i, th- I think that they must be incredibly aggrieved uh, atlanta to have gone down i thought they played a great game they get themselves back into it um the the really strange thing is that after this, and maybe it's a little bit of um, karma and a little bit of LAFC just sort of feeling guilty, but they just start to not really mark Atlanta's most dangerous players. Like, there's a moment where Joseph Martinez um, is just completely left alone in the box, and everybody's marking someone else, but there's nobody even looking at Martinez. And you're like, I mean, I know Atlanta has struggled this year, but I feel like that one's just a have somebody wrapped around his neck tattoos at all times. <laughs> um, and of course, then Joseph uh, is able to get them uh, back up to two. The then, funniest thing is about that that Martinez, the Joseph Martinez goal. That's the sixth goal of the first half. <laughs> Yeah. I said it wrong. I said 3-2. It was 4-3. I, yeah. I watched somehow two whole goals just escaped my notice. Well, two two whole goals weren't technically legal goals, but... <laughs> 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 well, I suppose once you take a penalty, even if it's a poor penalty call, it's it's a legal goal. But uh, Joseph continues to, to kind of come close, and then um, there's some sort of uncharacteristically really frantic defending from LAFC late in the second half, um, which results in an own goal because of this late Justin Merrim run where he just decides to keep running. Yeah. To my earlier point of just finishing his run and is able to smash it in. I think somebody else might take the shot, but it, it counts as an own goal. So so but, this is a, one of these, these classic, these classic ones where you just put it in the area and see what happens. And that's like, I don't want to go back to the Whitecaps too, too much, but it's just, that's what's one of the, one of the things that's so frustrating sometimes is, like you said, just put a ball in a dangerous area, like 
hard and low into the box comes off somebody's foot like you just never know what can happen if you're always looking to spray in a high cross or land it at your striker's feet you can be there for an awfully long time and what i love about this is like justin merrim just fits in this squad and it's good to see him back and performing and doing what he does best like the recent debacles in his career just never existed the two, uh, both teams had a lot of real heavy hitting chances uh, late on, and the the credit I really want to give for that the the fact that this remained four three is to Jordan Harvey, who uh, yeah, uh, Julian Gressel gets a the ball on his boot. He's got lots of space. Harvey slides in with an incredible, incredibly uh, well timed and clean tackle to ensure that there's no chance that he's able to uh to to get anything on frame got to invest in your uh your good left backs <laughs> the, uh, uh the 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 la team that uh that if i recall did not have such a good game this week was la galaxy another... oh yeah the other la team the other one who lost four nothing away to Portland? They did. Uh, so I watched this game, and the funny thing is, is I really only had two notes about it. Um, but there really is a new way to beat the Galaxy, and that's just let Ibra have his chances, and then counter like your life depends on it. Yes. Like just let him fiddle around with it and try to make the amazing plays. I mean, you definitely run a risk there, but. This game is just, it's all Portland all the time. Outside of a few chances from Ibra and Galaxy players, um, Savarese has just got his squad under his thumb. I mean, he, he's just working absolute miracles with them right now. Uh, when you think about where they were at the beginning of the season and how fragile they looked at times, you see how patience can pay off. Because um, at Bobasi for me in this game is just you know, playing absolutely perfectly. And it's very mm. rare you can say that about a player, but they just look like the perfect squad. That The chemistry is there, the plays are there, the, 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 the desire is there, the positioning, the tactics. And every game is a little bit different too. Like, they've got their own style, but for me, the way they um, they played against LAFC to, to get something out of... I think, did they win against LAFC or did they draw? Maybe they lost that one. But they played um, well. Um, I wanted, yeah, I I wanted to also shout out the the Diego Valeri goal where he beat a defender one on one and then the goalkeeper one on one as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, the kind of thing that you know he can do, but you don't really expect him to do a lot of. Portland to me feels like one of the more interesting teams in MLS right now, and in the West, I feel like they're also one of the hardest to play against because they've got num- a number of different ways of winning games and a number of different styles of playing. Um, yeah. It's still insane to me that this is the first win they've had without Diego Chara in, like, something insane, like, 18 months. Like, it's just... Really? It's an absurd stat. It might be less than that, but it's a significant number of games where they have not won without Diego Chara. I feed on uh, the amazing messy drama of there being three red cards in this game, um, with with 
Espria Darren Espria Diego Polenta being sent off on the 94th minute but the one that you'll remember the most uh, is Efrain Alvarez just blasted the ball into the head of a uh, at at short range into a, the head of a Portland player that's on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um. Last I heard, LA Galaxy was considering appealing this one because there's numerous different ways of interpreting it. Where I don't know that Alvarez really like he's he's attempting to clear the ball. Like the whistle goes after this play, right. and. It's one of those things that looks really bad, but I don't know that Alvarez, like, yes, he could have taken the ball and turned back and killed the play. Yeah. At the same time, he's attempting to clear the ball as the player's being fouled. Like, he does not have a lot of reaction time, and for a young player as well, it's not the best decision to make, and it's a little bit of a dangerous play, but um, I... It's a, it's a little bit harsh. I'm okay with the red card. I would also be fine if they appeal it and win because I I mean, and Alvarez has even said after like he's he certainly wasn't intending to do that. Um, it's it it's not really a dirty play. I think it's just a bit of a dangerous play. But sometimes plays look that's... a lot more dangerous when they happen versus. So, I mean, that sounds like a really stupid statement. They're da- more dangerous when they happen than when they don't. But. What I mean is, like, sometimes they happen so quickly, they look like they're intentionally endangering a player, when in fact, it's just sort of like a collision of the the wrong things happening, and it looks much worse. But, I mean, I'll also say, too, like, the player was fine. That's good. And, I mean, I... I it sense... wasn't like getting an elbow into the brain that fractures your skull. I think so. that that honestly, like, like, leads people to be more more concerned about what about what they're doing you know people are now going to be very focused on LA and whether or not they're getting away with stuff in in the in the opposite way that I'm more lenient on stuff like handball where it's like I would almost think that that she'll like you know you know I'm I'm fine with like you know really getting rid of stuff like shoulder handball or whatever with Mm -hmm. dangerous play I think that intent does have to come out of it where yeah. um, it's like, it's not like you put your, it's not like you, 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 you hit them with your boot or you hit them with your hand by accident. But it's like, if you, you know, CTE is just a real concern. Don't. Yeah. So you, you just can't blast somebody in the head with a ball, regardless of whether or not you intended to or not. I did write down in my notes. He's not Zlatan. So he, so it gets called. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's that. There were two other uh, goalless draws this week. Chicago, D.C. went to 0-0, and uh, Dallas and Real Salt Lake went to a 0-0. Mm-hmm. Uh, RSL's also without Mike Petke because after the little uh, clubs, the international clubs incident, of course, which he received a red card for, he has also been suspended for another three games, I believe. Um, bringing the total to four MLS games. He's also been fined $25,000. Plus, he now must attend anger management and diversity training, apparently for some remarks he said to those referees. Um, I can't find out. It seems like everybody knows what he says. I can't find out what it was, but it sounds not good. Sounds quite possibly racially insensitive, so I'm very fine with this. Uh, The, uh... The, the, uh... 
it's it's always strange in a scenario when somebody gets in trouble with it to decide whether or not you should say it. I've seen a tweet from, and I don't know what the source is on why this person seems to know it. Mm. Um, but uh, it appears to uh, there uh, the uh, at MLS ref stats seems to say that it was uh, a four letter word that starts with P and U. And hmm. maybe Spanish. Hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> maybe this is why we don't work for Disco. Yes. But uh, I'm, I'm still fine. I'm still, I'm fine with this. Mm-hmm. I, it seems weird to suspend a coach in your league when something happened outside of the league. But I think you do have to have coaches setting an example. And I'm... As the much team, as I hate to, I think the t- team is also behind the suspension. The team's oh, the yeah, one sending yeah. him to to sensitivity training. Yeah. <laughs> Quite possibly for, and, for what? And, and and I have no. Again, this is a Twitter account. There's no confirmation of it. But if it is indeed a uh, a Spanish homophobic slur, that would not be good. So he should go. And. As much as we've praised Petke at times for the the bit of fun we can have with him in in press conferences, uh, I get like I think it was Don Garber who again I hate to agree with, but said like it's just it's an unacceptable pattern, and it doesn't represent the league well. And I think that that's very fair to say. You can think whatever you want about Don Garber, but this one to me is sort of open and shut. Of like uh, I think we can all agree. Some anger management for old Mike is probably not a bad idea. And he, he needs to find a way to control himself because he's setting an example as well for a lot of young players. And yeah, we want to see the passion, but there there's a way and there's also a limit to it. And he has every right to be frustrated at how that game turned out and the way it was officiated. But this stuff like that happens all the time and you see plenty of coaches just walk away from it like just get your players back on the bus get them to the hotel do whatever you need to do but engaging in this kind of stuff is is it's juvenile and it it serves absolutely no purpose yeah um the uh was there anything i'm trying to think if there was anything from the other uh from the chicago game that 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 caught my notice um no, I I don't have too much from these games. Uh, again, in the theme of like, did it tell us anything new? DC and Chicago have both been up and down. They and getting a point out of each other and no goals. I feel like is doesn't tell us too much new, um, and sort of almost creates. It's like a it was like a bye week, except everyone's tired. Here's a here's a game that I think that that I found to be really uh, tasty and, and and has. <laughs> what I would think are implications is New York New York Red Bulls losing three oh, okay. two to Columbus at home. Yeah. <laughs> I like, what did you think I, I like thought the, was uh, gonna be tasty? Oh, I oh, we'll get there. I just I really like that you're like, I think this game has implications. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. This, this I game don't... is this game is canon. What are the Red Bulls right now? Like so it's strange. not a great game. It was good to see Columbus back and winning some games and showing some fight. 
But, uh, like, outside of Brian White, who's just casually approaching some BWP numbers um, in his stats, it's just, like, I can't figure this club out right now. From week to week, I have no idea what Red Bulls we're going to get. And defensively, you know, that that used to be their jam. It was, how do you score against the Red Bulls? Because you know they're probably going to hit you for a couple. And now right. it's like, well, why don't you just let them have some shots at goal? They'll probably get a couple, but uh, we'll just sneak past. <laughs> I will say this. Pedro Santos, to me, is everything that Columbus needs right now. Has been the entire time, but um, not just arguably the best player for them, but I think one of the best players in the East in terms of creating chances and finishing them. It just so happens he's been playing for Columbus that have had uh, not a lot of luck this season, but he's just so, so good in this game. There's no way you can watch this game and tell me that Pedro Santos isn't one of the best, uh, like, a creative attacking mids in MLS right now. It was really, really good. The With the tying goal, and then also uh, sending in Argunias, or wait, no, he's he's the one that sets up uh, Argunias for the second goal. Yeah. 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 And it's weird too. Like I, I, I think Tim Parker's had some injury issues, or he's. I haven't really been able to track him too much this season. But there's a point where he just like let Santos run past him in the box, and then Santos just rips it at close range at Robles, and Robles just is looking at Parker and the other defender like, "Come on, guys!" <laughs> like, oh yeah, that just, was the, yeah, no. that was the rebound on Santos. Who I was wrong. He scored the second goal. And he scored the third goal. Yeah. Um, yeah, this game was a, a little bonkers. For you, what is uh, the major implication here, beyond the obvious in the standings? We've talked a little bit before about, you know, Red Bull's strength being as a, as a chaos team. Um, mm-hmm. But the one thing that I noticed, in, and we've seen them do it before to success, um... We see them. We see them doing it before successfully, and, and it seemed like a formula, and not have a bit, a bit of an issue with it. But it, it's like a basic, it's like a basic computer script where it's like line ten, print, go to or print, uh, run the ball to the end line. Line twenty, pass the ball into the middle and see if Brian White or if someone else is there. Yeah. <laughs> line three, go to ten, just. Just, like, it seems, it kind of seems like there's one play, Mm -hmm. um, and they just do the, they just run it over and over and over again, and and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't, but... When you have a player like Brian White, it it can turn out okay. But if you've got a, if they're in a scenario where it looks like they are, um, are having some form issues, I would definitely say... That a little bit more, and and you know they've won. This is now they've won three and seven, so they've they're slightly under five hundred in the in the last seven. Um, but if you're if you're looking for an issue, I'd say some fresh ideas in terms yeah. of of plays and and, and some fresh uh, uh, offensive scenarios would really help. This uh, this breaks a bad run of form for Columbus, if I recall as well. Yeah, this is a, a big result from them. I think they might have drew last week. Um, 
or the week before, rather. So it's nice to see them sort of getting back into gear somewhat. And it could make things really interesting in the East if Columbus starts to pick up more points and, and climb that table. Uh, it could start to really pose some problems for an Eastern Conference that's getting a little congested. Um, New England, speaking of, uh, of of congestion in that scenario, uh, has proven, I think, that they are back in a big way with a 4-1 win over Orlando. This this is why I was laughing is I, I I pretty I was like oh Andrew wants to talk about this game I think he he probably enjoyed this one. <laughs> uh, so much so much good stuff the the I love the first goal Bo's uh, back heel give and go which was really good. Oh, it's just I have here in my notes uh, like his Bo's touch is as good as Vela's. Like, his first touch on the ball is as good. It's softer than the Whitecaps midfield. That's how soft it is. <laughs> you didn't want to a... laugh at that one, but I got it in the end. <laughs> there, is a, uh, there is a penalty for handball, a natural position. Uh, and then I was watching this pretty early into my, you know, highlight stack. And the third goal from Diego Fagundes outside of the box, I just like took off my glasses and did the the giant bomb just blinking maneuver. I leaned back, I leaned back into my chair like I was like I was driving a very fast car because I was like, "What is that?" Um, I have the scientific definition here because I looked it up, um, and it is fucking stupid. That's what that <laughs> Just holy crap! That ball is traveling with pace, and again, like Fagundes just seems to really like scoring these kinds of goals. But it just wow, just wow, wow, just wow. Uh, that was a really fun. That one was really good, and and they just looked like they're having a good time. They 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 played yeah. well. Credit to Orlando for getting a to get for getting one to um, to make it one. So I guess Fagundes was the third goal, right? Or was the fourth goal, right? Yeah. Which, um, uh, which rude. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I, I feel for Orlando because I think they've done so many things right this season. And um, one of them is, you know, giving Brian Rowe the chance to, to have the starting goalkeeper spot. Because I know there was some question about whether or not he would be the starting goalkeeper. But he's just completely left out to dry. And there's... M- pretty much every goal in this game there's just nothing he can do about mm-hmm. um orlando kind of switch comes on quite late but at least they're coming on late because orlando used to once they were down there was just never any coming back so i, I still think there's some hope for them not m- maybe necessarily to have a great run but it's something to build on um to not just completely give up when most teams could be forgiven for giving up against this kind of side but Arena Bruce Arena now has New England on their best run since 2005, which is pretty much just like from his first game taking over New England. So this idea that like Bruce Arena was MLS 1.0 and the league has moved on is just I love how quietly and calmly Arena has put that completely to rest that he's literally taken one of the worst clubs this season and turn them into one of the best kind of overnight by just being a good coach. Like, mm. yes, they got in 
uh, a great new player, but he's only played two games. They were on this run before. <laughs> um, so just just wow for me from New England. Um, I, I have no idea how far this run will go or what it will mean, but right now it's, it certainly looks like there's no reason to think they won't be in the playoffs in good standing and could be one of those teams that just really causes some trouble. Um, New York City beat Sporting Kansas City uh, 3-1 in a game that, that was an impressive win for New York, but it doesn't. I, I would feel it's one of those ones that just confirms where each of the teams are. Matrita's doing great. Eber yeah. is doing really, really good. Sporting oh. Kansas City are having trouble, but Ilya is still good. Eber's com- um, composure on his goal on his first goal it's just mm-hmm. like how can you be that calm when you're in that position to <laughs> score a goal anytime i'm that close to scoring a goal like that's when the panic sets in uh, and i don't think he's that old is he mm, not sure there is let me i'll let me do find my number for you my search here while i'm also i want to 27 point, 27 okay well i guess he's he's entering his prime so it makes mm-hmm. sense um for me, the interesting thing about this game is that both teams have players just going at their own teammates. And it was notable here because there's a point where SKC is just defensively completely all over the place. And Felhyber just is like screaming at his back line. And I'm kind of okay with it. Like, I don't like to see players pushing teammates uh, or getting in each other's faces, but they're just so out of sorts. Phil Haber has a go at them, and then you just see this pan over to um, Peter Vermees' face, and he's just, like, shaking his head. <laughs> and I have a good... I think Benny might have gotten a, a dressing down after this one, but uh, certainly not a good game for SKC, and, um, yeah, onward rolls the New York City train. I did want to add, though, like, I'm... As much as they've been a team that I kind of love to to crap on a little bit, I feel like New York City this season has had just some more interesting depth and a little bit more f- fight and character to them than what we've seen in the past, where it's just been sort of the, the David Villa vehicle. <laughs> I really am kind of enjoying this new look New York City FC. I think that they, they bring something much more interesting to watch, spreading the talent out a little bit. That uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, the uh, another result that had that same the, the same sort of lopsided but uh, confirmation quality is is San Jose three Colorado one. Um, yeah. The the earthquakes who who a couple weeks back had that that hilarious own goal. Uh, two minutes in this this week get their own two minute mm-hmm. two minute own goal. Where they they throw the cross in the box, they hits the defender by accident. They puts them up one nothing, um, and of course Vaco has an amazing individual effort um, to really kind of put San Jose ahead uh, by two and, and widen that gap. Chase Linus with a third, looked nice. Yeah, it's just it's crazy to me that like a team respectively from the east and west that were just bottom of the barrel, couldn't get any worse. Uh, what, maybe three months ago for San Jose, maybe a little bit less for New England, now mm-hmm. look like as good of a side 
in either conference. Like, right now for me, there's very few teams that, like, I think Portland could probably have a go at San Jose. Um, certainly LAFC. But, you know, like, just all of a sudden, they're now the Giants again. Um, but this really went, this for me looked like the old Colorado. We saw a brief little glimmer of hope. Um, <laughs> Rubio gets a goal late, but I, I think they can only be excited to be getting uh, the $3 million worth of wages for Tim Howard off their books to start putting it elsewhere on the team because, my goodness, this wasn't good for them. It'll be, uh, it'll be a, I think, a welcome change. The um, uh, Houston-Seattle had one goal in it. Seattle won away. and But it, it was an amazing Jordan Morris goal where it was like an individual effort where... He he receives a cross, and somehow a defender rolls over the top of his back. Like, he, he crouches down, and the defender goes completely up and over. and But he yeah. stays on the ball, and he's able to roll it inside the far post. Did you hear about the uh, the post-game comments about this from Cabrera? No. Oh, I remember this. That he, he was like... He was complaining because he thinks that this is uh, a foul, that Jordan Morris fouls this. And he's like, anybody can see this. It's a foul here. It's a foul there. It's a foul on the moon. And I was so <laughs> excited to watch this game to, to see this obvious foul. And I watch it and I'm like, that's not a foul on the moon or anywhere else. That's just straight up not a foul. Like, just because you get yourself into a stupid position and then you somehow <laughs> hurl yourself over a striker's back. Like, Jordan Morris is really just kind of looking like, he's like, what what has what happened? Oh, well, he's on the ground now. Um, it, I was like, he has every right to take this goal. There's, that's not a foul. <laughs> um, but a good result for them. TFC did the work against Cincinnati. Um, it was great to see still some signs of life at Cincinnati. Ledesma scoring and looking much, much better than he has for them. And... It's just, it's good to see a Cincinnati with some fight into it, but obviously they weren't enough to deal with TFC. So I actually thought this was a good result for Cincinnati, and obviously it's a good one for TFC. There's just no holding Josie back right now. Um, the kinds of goals he's scoring, this this one is, you know, you know how much it hurts me to, to give that man credit, but the goal in this game, you just got to go, <laughs> well, if you're going to do that, then yeah. <laughs> Love that goal from Altidore. Did did anything else happen in MLS this week? I can't. I can't. Oh right, it was the All Star game. Oh, um, <laughs> I legitimately forgot. In which all of the uh, in which all of the players who have been saying such mean things uh, about <laughs> each other for the last couple of weeks are now playing all on the same team, and you really enjoyed all of their comments about each other as soon as they ended up as teammates. Yeah. Well, I just. I was sort of doing my perusal of MLSsoccer.com and a few other pages, and I was just trying to find, like, is there an angle this week? Because there wasn't a ton of games. There were some good results, and I was just like, I just need something. And then it's like three or four stories appearing, one after the other, that's just like, why Vela doesn't have a problem with Ibrahimovic? Ibrahimovic doesn't have a problem with Vela, says he's just better. And it's just like all these stories of people saying they don't have a problem with anyone, which I thought was <laughs> such an interesting take headed into um the mls all-star game like no problem i got no problem i got no problems with anybody 
but it looks like in the game uh, there's quite a bit of Vela Ibrahimovic connection, so maybe there's no problems. The uh, I I we've we've talked about it before. Not a huge fan of the whole idea of the All Star Game. I honestly think that like the a lot of the talking points, the the things, the weird things to notice are the same, which is that if this is going to be a showcase for the league, there should be more players in the league. It should be two teams made up of league players. The the European team just doesn't need to be here. Nope. Um, they didn't start with Koke. They didn't start with Diego Costa. They they started with at least two players that aren't a part of their first team. Um, because it's not... This is a, what I gathered from commentary is not a team that does preseason friendlies. And, and they... I don't know that without... You know, even though they they had some great, there were some great goals from uh, from Madrid. They beat they beat the All Star uh, team three nothing as a as a, a, a like a top side in Europe. You know, facing a team of MLS players who all have no problem with each other. Um, <laughs> that that have but but have never played together may may do and. and and I just everything good about the All Star Game had nothing to do with them. That's that's my fault, uh, unless except for the goals. But it's like, you know, they had that. Um, uh, they had the amazing. Um, they had the 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 goalkeeper had was wearing the the headset again. The Brad oh, Guzan yeah. had the headset on I... so he could talk to the commentators. I haven't had a chance to go back and, and listen to that part yet. The mic'd up players is just like the cheesiest, dumbest idea, but I kind of love it. So so last year, they tried to talk to him, and he's a very all-business individual. Uh, and he got he tried to talk to them and then conceded right away, conceded, and then right after, like, refused to do, or, like, appeared to, to jump off the broadcast at that point. And the worst part, so he gets substituted off, and... In real life, he's going to shake people's hands, but the commentators are trying to get him to announce that him and his wife are welcoming a new child into the world, like, 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 like imminently within it within a day or so of the game. They're like, "You got a big announcement to make, don't you? Uh, don't you, Brad?" And he's like trying to shake people's hands while he is telling the commentators, "Yeah, big shout out to my wife." Uh, who is in the process, presumably in the in the later stages of pregnancy, yeah. as though as though you're trying to like buy food at the supermarket and talk to somebody on your Bluetooth headset at the same time. It's just <laughs> the All Star Game is just the epitome of like it's the most America. Like it's just it's like spilling America all over soccer, and it's All's just such an unnecessary event to begin with, and then. To have things like this, where it's it's literally just all gimmicks. There's no point to this game, and there's no point to anything they're doing, which is some of the charm in a way. And I think, what, from what I'm hearing anyway, at least uh, was a big part of the appeal of the skills competition that they brought back this year. The other thing I wanted to say about the game itself was that uh, it was a lot of time. I watched like thirty or twenty or thirty minutes of the first half, and and. Caught the rest of the highlights. Uh, the Orlando fans were booing everyone, and nobody got a bigger boo 
than when they took off Zlatan Ibrahimovic for Joseph Martinez in the 30th minute. Just, <laughs> I don't know if they were boos for Joseph or if they were boos for taking Ibra off before he scored a goal or boos for Ibra because he's Ibra, but amazing. I, just from what, I've, from what I've heard, it's it was just Orlando supporters being... Uh... Atlanta support or Orlando, sorry, Orlando supporters being Orlando supporters, uh, and I love it. I'm here for it. I but that's I to... love Orlando and their supporters. They're just great. As yeah. we talk about not having culture in MLS, Orlando's where it is. The skills competition was was phenomenal, and I wonder if you don't want to do an East West thing, right? You could do worse than having the hosts of the All-Star game have the home team versus the rest of the league. Yeah. Because at the very least for the fans, because the, the, the weird setup that they had here was you had three teams of three. Three players from Atletico Madrid, three players from the All-Star team, and three players for, for Orlando in Orlando jerseys. Yeah. It's it, that's strange, but um, and and they uh, the notes here I have Rooney's looking Max Dad in sort <laughs> of like a trainer a train an untucked trainer jersey hanging out. Um, <laughs> they the 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 part of the competition where they're all trying to hit plates that are in the goal is fun. Uh, the volley. The volley competition was kind of fun because Rooney hits this volley and then Miller comes in and hits a scissors kick, trying to be, trying to be fancier. There was this weird. It ended with this weird crossbar drill, and there was contraptions all over the field, which I think were part of also like a passing competition of some sort, like a mm. bunch of tiny goals in various places. Um, but the idea is you got to you got to stand on what I think is the center line and try to hit balls off the crossbar, and. Uh, Orlando are in a position where they could potentially take the win, but the time is running out. Uh, Mueller takes nothing, nothing, nothing from, from two or three shots, and then Nani hits a buzzer beater to give the uh, the Orlando team the win. Um, 300 imaginary points to 240. <laughs> whatever, whatever it was, it was it reminds, some... It... some I think I thought of that earlier in the week when I was seeing highlights about the All-Star game, and I was just reminded back to the golden era of Whose Line Is It Anyway, where they're like, the show that's made up and the points don't matter, and I was like, ah, kind of like the MLS All-Star game. One fun, one, I kind of wish I was able to watch this game, but it was happening while I was at work, and I watched the, the highlights later. The, um, the MLS homegrown game um, featured... Uh, they were playing Chivas Guadalajara U20s for some reason. Um, but that was sure. a, that was a, a fun game where a lot of players who were trying to make a name for themselves looked interesting and uh, and and tried to string some results together. Um, Omir, the the two, uh, I'm trying to find out who plays for who. Um, that scored these goals because some of these some of these names I'm not the most familiar with. Omir Fernandez, who plays for um, Pages Loading, Pages Loading Red Bulls, um, had a, a, a great little uh, goal where it's a free kick and it bounces out to him. Uh, the 
second goal was from uh, the second goal I really liked, which was by uh, Noble Okello. So, so Chivas scored on the first minute and then were leading going uh, scored that Omir scored on the uh, third and then it was tied to the 70th Chivas scores to get the, the, um, to get the lead. And then in the, uh, in the dying stages of the game, it is the Canadian defender, Noble Okello, who had a great result. Uh, he plays for uh, Toronto, and, and he had a, a, a sweet, he had a, a, a really good, I had this written down, slides into the ball off a corner to tie it. Uh, and the other great result in that game is um, the San Jose goalkeeper, James Marchinkowski, uh, mm-hmm. saving two penalties in a penalty shootout. Yeah. It's tough and opposition, so it was, it was great. The funny thing is about this game is that I I kind of wish they'd advertised this one a little bit more and made it easier to watch, because this, to me, is the kind of thing that if you're really a fan of the league and you're wanting to see what uh, the up-and-coming talent is going to be and have something to get excited about, this one, to me, is more actually a better game. Yeah, I definitely agree. Theo, Theo Bear was the... Are, Right, and it's also giving you a sense, too, of, um, like, what the prospects ne- next season might look like for, for some of these players getting traded uh, amongst each other. Theo Bear, uh, the white cap, uh, the, the only white cap to be seen all weekend. <laughs> played, uh, played a Which, solid 45 minutes. Probably not unfair. <laughs> Um, that's it for games, but we do have a little bit of news to go through. Um, we don't have to go, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of stuff happening in the summer. It's been busy, so forgive us, we don't usually stay on top of every single transfer anyway, because often by the time we get to it, it's like a week old and people know. Um, a couple of things that I did want to talk about, um, is I just saw this as we like logged on to do the show, that Roman Torres has been suspended for 10 games and find 20% of his salary um, for taking a performance-enhancing drug. Dang. That's not something that we hear very often in these parts. I can't... Rem- I don't think it's happened while we've done the show, but uh, this is a massive loss for Seattle. Because uh, they really Damn. brought him in to, to bolster their... Um, their back line and, and help them make a really solid playoff push. And now that's looking to be kind of in jeopardy. I think that the, the one thing that uh, when you're following MMA news and you, you um, and this sort of thing happens, you, you hear what the substance was and I'd be interesting, uh, interested to see what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. He says it's a tainted supplement. Is his is is his uh, is his argument? He which which is something do, that you do, do hear about. Tainted in... supplement. Do, do. Again, I'm, I'm taking some of my knowledge just from 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 following somewhat some of the some of the news that comes out of uh, the stuff in MMA, and and that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it it does. Ultimately, you should, you're responsible you know. for what you put in your body as an athlete. Um, but, uh, it's it's also really hard to buy in this day and age that an athlete doesn't know what they're putting in their body. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly been enough cases where people have been you know disqualified for things like 
Benadryl or, you know, like Sudafed. Not Benadryl. Benadryl is not a performance-enhancing drug. Right. But Sudafed is, um, yeah, it, I find it a little dicey that, oh, my supplements were tainted. Uh, I don't know if I fully buy that, especially a player of his age and experience. Um, and it's certainly no, like, I think there's probably more likelihood of it showing up in players his age um, to try to extend their playing careers. The interesting thing is, I, I wonder who who is in charge of it, because I'm looking at the, the, at the supplement. I, I wonder who is in charge of, of monitoring it, because just because not knowing what the supplement is in, um, in, uh, in MMA, if you say that the, if the player says there's a tainted supplement, they still get a, a fine, but their fine is reduced. But they actually do check, right? You, you, you. If somebody says there is a tainted supplement, they say, "Well, okay, give us, give us your container, and we'll test it against the mm-hmm. normal container, and we'll see what happened." Um, mm-hmm. So, no clue whether or not that is being done because it's the uh, not to try and say what, not to try and say that there is a lack of transparency here, but. Um, there is a way to test that claim, and I don't know if uh, I don't know if if that is going to be done or if that is a part of the MLS substance testing um, regime. But it's I, it's knowable. Yeah, I believe somewhere I had heard that there is random testing that the league does on all players. Mm-hmm. I, do, I don't know. I mean, it's not. If I feel like the players probably don't know, so it makes sense that we don't know. Um, but yeah, that's going to spell some real trouble for a club that, you know, by all accounts is doing well. They're certainly not, I mean, they're sitting second. They're still 11 points behind LAFC, but mm-hmm. that's not saying a ton. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams underneath them that could really take advantage of a situation where uh, a weakened back line for Seattle uh, is really going to cause them some problems. And then the other news that I thought was really interesting is that um, an old familiar face and name might be returning to MLS after not too long away. Uh, It's looking like DC United may bring back Ola Kamara, who's been playing in China. Really? Apparently... There's... uh, This one's looking like the sources are pretty solid... And um, I think there's some things about the he would be subject to allocation order, um, but it's looking like DC wants to get this deal done because they obviously, outside of Rooney, have had trouble with goals this season, and they're thinking Ola Kamara is the guy to deliver. So I almost wonder though with DC, like you know, they've got so many they've got uh, so many key pieces there that I feel like. It might have been, unless you just don't think, unless you just don't rate Terramatics, which is possible. Um, I know I talked about, a lot last year about the idea of, oh, well, you know, when Rooney can't do it, they can slot in Terramatics. This is a good role for him. But I wonder if on a on a team like that, uh, if this is actually the first team that I would have thought of in terms of the, the best destination. Will he benefit from being a, a, a secondary striker, or, or would he be better suited to go to a, a team where he could be a star? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. It, it does seem a little bit odd. Wait, doesn't Maddox play for Cincinnati now? Right, but I mean that was my read oh, of it in, in the see, first Rooney season. In the first Rooney season. Look, it says blonde on my driver's certificate. I don't know about to, what to tell you here. <laughs> I was um, like, wait, what are you talking about? Um, yeah, despite the attacking depth that uh, DC seems to have, I guess it's just not coming off for them. It did, but it does seem like a really expensive acquisition, no, at this point in the year for yeah. a player that we know can score goals, but um, he's only played six matches in China, so... We don't know if he's necessarily match fit either. It's true. Um, the it'll be interesting to see. I think that maybe if you're trying to, um, if you're trying to push, uh, mm. if you're if you're trying to make the push, you you get all of the pieces that you can, that with the hope that you know maybe in the playoffs that'll that will benefit, that will help benefit. Um, the rain. Uh, have their game coming up where they uh, they are uh, I believe they say that they've um, they're going to break their their record they are also Sky Blue they also have a game coming up against Sky Blue where Sky Blue has now said that they have sold out all their tickets um, for that game which is great in their, their NWSL clash coming up because mm-hmm. um, Sky Blue hasn't been all that, all that great and and it's to see them sell out is a is a real achievement, especially because they're now saying they're teasing maybe we should move the game to Red Bull Arena, which if if you can yeah. if you if that's the the Megan Rapinoe bump, bump well you you capitalize it as the best you can. But the other reason why to do it, and I loved this story, um, is because the uh, Rutgers changed their liquor rules uh, and told them, oh, well, uh, for, like, one of their first, like, comeback games uh, after the World Cup, oh, you can't, uh, you can't sell beer. The liquor license, the liquor license has been, uh, our, our liquor license Jeez. doesn't work anymore. You can't sell beer in the venue. Sky Blue have had a lot of problems with their ownership, but their new GM is like, mm-hmm. okay, so I can't sell beer? And they're like, yeah, we're really sorry about that. And she's like, can I give away beer? And they were like, yeah, well, I guess as long as you're not selling it, it's fine. So she drove, she drove to the liquor store and got two carts full of beer and was just like, advertise on the radio that if you go to this game, uh, we're giving away free beer. And they gave it to the supporters groups. The supporters groups stood outside the stadium and were handing out free beers to people. Yeah. That's amazing. How did I miss that? How is this not the soccer story? I feel like I mean, that was... it also really sucks for the team. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, they should go to Red Bull Arena. It's, it, it's tough. It's, they, they're having a lot of issues with ownership, uh, but clearly the, uh, clearly the GM is doing, Elise LaHue is, is doing everything that she can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, credit to her for trying to make the most out of a situation and also having the brains to turn it into a, a good marketing ploy as well. <laughs> they sold out that game because they went on the radio and they were like, free beer? I love it. I love it. 
But I mean, it is it is great to see the uh, as you said the, the Rapinoe bump. But it's just great to see the and you you had talked about this during the Women's World Cup to, that uh, you know the buzz is likely going to be something that sticks around um, and has a a really big impact. So um, I think it's amazing. Like just more soccer, please. The framing and I, a lot of people often criticize the. You know, people, when they're writing about this bump, have this sort of negative framing as like, oh, they have a bump. But but um, among concerns about sustaining, uh, sustaining the bump, it's like, don't 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 be concerned while yeah. while the upturn is happening. That's the good time. Don't don't it's... ask like, oh, it's going really well. But will it be will it go well forever? The the. The, the framing is <laughs> the true. framing is is that it's a success in and try optimistically to retain that success as long as you can, right? Like that's that's what I look at is that it's like you know we uh, got a Rapino bump, and your your first question to me was because I was like, hey, the the Rapino show, like it kind of gave us a bit of a, a bump. Your first question was not, yeah, Nick, but. How long is that really going to last? <laughs> it's like, great, we got a bump. Yeah, could you imagine? Thanks, Megan. Thank could you, you. Yeah. Could you imagine? You did all if, the work uh, and we got a bump. Could you imagine if, like, you you would apply that to sports teams in other ways where it's like, San Jose scored four goals, but can they sustain the yeah, amount of can goals they score? They well, in that case, you'd be like, kind of, yeah. Kind of, they ended up doing it. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome to see. And, uh, and I hope that game, uh, I hope that game goes great. And I hope that there is continuing the, the attention is there. And I mm-hmm. think that, that in, in, in past years, the ability to, um, capitalize on that has not always, has not always followed. There was also the, uh, the, the player of the year. Um, names came out the 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 FIFA best. Uh, who are the who are the 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 one thing that I was sad about is that there's no uh, there was no room on the list for Christine Sinclair, um, which was unfortunate. But you you look mm. at the people on the list and you got to think that everybody there did have the 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 person who's got to be feeling the best is Ada Hegerberg, who is still on the list uh, despite not despite choosing to uh, skip the tournament over lack of support from the national federation. And, and she still ends up on the list. I think that that is well-deserved. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got Wendy Renard, you've got Ellen White, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, Vivian Miedema, Rose Lavelle, Amadine Henry, Sam Kerr, Otta Hagerberg, Caroline, uh, Caroline Grime Hansen uh, from Norway, who had an amazing, who, who actually also was great. It's probably like maybe the least famous person on the list, but did a but somebody that did a great job. Uh, Julie Ertz and Lucy Bront, who is also sort of another, which is also I think another oh, like yeah. great deep cut, um, deep cut result. <laughs> I think that this is going to be that's going to be Rapinoe though, right? I feel like that. Yeah. Um, unless it's unless it's Lavelle, I don't know. You know, it, there's a lot of different ways that you could go with it. Um, but I could only see, I could only, uh, uh, see the possibility of this being a continuation of the tremendous story that she's had so far this year. 
Yeah, but is it going to happen every year? Can it sustain? Oh, why don't we? Lord. Why don't we just? Freak I, I also out love the... too that people are still like it's this brand new thing, and like this is a player that is like in her prime slash golden years and has been around forever. Oh. And just now, people are like, who, who, "What's going on here?" By the way, thinking of U.S. women's team, there's one thing, one really major note to mention is that Jill Ellis has quit. What? Jill Ellis, what? Uh, the the U.S. women's team, uh, the U.S. women's coach, um, this week decided that uh, that that she there's no more uh, there's no more up to go for her. She will will be staying on as coach through the victory tour. Um, but she she this was announced on the thirtieth. Hmm. Um, but she's. USA Today's headline is that she's going to get off of the soccer, quote, roller coaster. Which, huh. it's uh, it's it's such an interesting career that she has had in charge there. In terms of somebody who, um, uh, it was the beginning, uh, somebody who, who has consistently received a lot of, of criticism and has consistently won. Like, they tried to get her out. The player, uh, a bunch of veteran players, tried to get her out in 2017, and then she won the World Cup the next year. Um, yeah. There is, there is. I mean, she's mean, been she's certainly been, a a polemic figure. First women's coach to win back to back World Cups. Um, the uh, and and I think that has a really a, a really secure place in history, even though even though. Almost every game in the tournament was was saying, "Why isn't this person playing? Why is this person playing in this position?" Etc. 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 But uh, but but congratulations to her, and it'll be interesting to see who is uh, who is mm-hmm. picked who is picked as the replacement. Um, until wow. next week. Until next time, uh, the games will be tomorrow. Vancouver will be playing Cincinnati. Everybody will have a good chance to have a good look at. Kendall Waston, where can we find you online? You can find me online on the uh, Twitter and the Instagram at That's So MLS. And where can we find you? You can find me online at Team Bates on Twitter, www.team-bates.com. I am an editor at Howler Magazine, whatahowler.com. You can find this podcast at That's So and on Apple Podcasts and wherever podcasts are found. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Please do those things. Um, and and... Uh, until next time, you know, if you need to clear a ball, <laughs> maybe don't do it to a person's face to get yourself sent off.